It's never too late to talk about it. Or we might talk right. about pulling out. Sweden more. That's me. Comic That's sex. me. Yo, this is your boy Gail and welcome to Common Conversations and the Let's Talk About Sex series. This is a conversation that we have and engage about all things related to sexual health. Men, women, LGBTQ, heterosexual, pansexual. You, you said something like multisexual, um, demisexual, all the sexuals. Yes. So we're going to get down. Hopefully you will learn something. Um, and leave some comments so that we can engage a little differently as well um, as we journey through all these different episodes that we're going to bring to you. So our last episode was consensual sex from a women's standpoint. Um, and we talked about bringing it back and maybe cutting it up a little bit. And so we brought a special friend we found out on the corner. And he's going to talk to us a little bit. Wait, yeah. <laughs> that kind of corner. Yes. Wait, and right. So, uh-huh. <laughs> and today's conversation is about consensual sex from a man's point of view. Um, and so hopefully we'll, we'll hear from the ladies a little bit about what they had to say, what they what they feel. And then we'll also talk about where men come from um, in the spaces of consent as well, because we also need consent sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on the nature of the relationship, uh, again, getting back to last conversation is about not doing any harm and, and building, being better people um, so that we can have better sex. For sure. Mm-hmm. Is that what we said? That's what we said. That's, That's what we said. That's good. good. You dig it. That's the goal. So and you're less outnumbered today. I'm less outnumbered. I know. This feels so you got good. How you How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. So this should this be a, a good volley and we, you know, we got Ashley in the middle. That's because she's your referee. She's the referee. All right, done, Donna. So, uh, you know what? So, if you're tuning in for the first time, I want you to get to know who everybody is. So, real quick, uh, what's your name? <laughs> oh, I thought Miguel was going to introduce thyself first, but my name is Amira of The Amira Show. Uh, we focus on sexuality, sex work, the LGBT plus community, and also the empowerment and liberation of women. Women all women. Um, that's me. I'm 30. Love cats and the color purple. There we <laughs> yeah, go. Yeah, cats and purple. Cats and purple. Do you have a purple cat? No, I wish. Do you dress your cat up in purple clothing? No. Oh, okay. So, so nothing's combining or colliding here. You have They're purple just... in your shirt today. Mm-hmm. True. Oh, yes. Shout go. out to Sis Scott T. Hey, look, and, and, the, and the screen's just for you. Oh, it is purple because last time it was pink, right? Yeah. So this is the Amira show, basically. <laughs> Welcome. Well, I'm happy to be a guest on the Amira show. My name is Reese, and I am a PhD student in the public health department at U of L. Mm-hmm. And I am a pleasure researcher. I have a cat and dog, and my favorite color is coral again. again. And also, fun fact. Oh, no, I don't have one, sorry. Oh, shit. How are you going to soften the introduce something? I really wanted to, and then I couldn't think of anything. So Today's show is about teasing. I love it. Oh, I would love to do a show. I love it here. Yeah? It's a little Welcome, Reese. Well, I mean, it is consensual, Welcome. so if we, we yes. might be able to thread it in. But, Dr. Ashley, who are you? You already told me. You them. just said it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know. <laughs> My name is Dr. Ashley Anderson. I'm a women's health nurse practitioner. have worked as such for the last 15 years. And I own a practice here in Louisville called Athena Health and Wellness, where we take care of all things female. So happy to be here. 
Absolutely. And referee, you two. Yes. It'll be fine. Mm. It's going to be fine. Thank you, Dr. And so with us, we have Dr. Jason Deakins. Ooh. Yes. Yes. I'm going to that out. Doctor. 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 Mr. PhD. Thanks, guys. Who focuses on all things social equity, black mm-hmm. women's studies. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you are, I, I forgot, the impact director. Impact director for the Hope Bus. The Hope, what, what is the Hope Bus? <gasps> yes. The Hope Bus. Yes. The Hope Bus is a local nonprofit. Um, focus on health, equity, social justice, food insecurity, all things um, to help black people and uh, resources, really, um, getting resources to black people. So, yes, that's what I do. Help them with everything from grant writing, um, protocols, procedures, stuff like that, but um, primarily research on black women. Ugh. Yeah. Shout out to my homie, Stacia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. We love you, Stacia. We yeah. love you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I, I want to leave with this 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 particular show a little different. So I'm 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 gonna say a statement. Oh, he's gonna act different today. Yeah, no. Just, yeah. Just, oh, different? Just a little bit. Okay, let's, I'm be 35. Yeah. I got to no, know you. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh, now That's we definitely okay. an improvement. So you show up, doctor. Oh, yes, and yes. now he's acting different. Now okay. Now he's grown. Okay. Okay. He has okay. a peer with him now. Yes. Yes. Well, a doctor. Continue. You know what I mean? Like you're trying to be. I mean, we had a doctor, but now we have two. Yeah. Now we got two doctors. We had a doctor. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm just, in it. I'm just staying in the child bus. Mm. So I'm gonna get back in it. Okay. <laughs> so much for thirty. We here, man, okay. right? So there's like these two stats that run around in my head, and I know like talking about consent in the sense of a man's standpoint has been something I've been chasing, right? And um, several of us have had conversations about what it looks like, what it feels like, and and at what angle do we discuss it, right? And, and at first I was thinking about the, the, the aspect of, I live in Southern Indiana and it's like one out of every six men, boys, will be molested before they get out of middle school. Mm-hmm. And that's just re- what's recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think about that and then, you know, there's a stat I believe that is one in nine um, are made to penetrate someone during their lifetime. Like that's a forced scenario and and I'm thinking like when we talk about consent how do we better prepare our young men as much as we're preparing our our young women you know to protect themselves right and and looking at what is good what is bad Um, and at the same time how do we teach them to live with engage with women in a way that it's more caring it's more understanding and they're also receiving consent right um and so I want to I want us, if we can, explore this together, right, in a conversation. And uh, Doc, well, see, now I got to I got to lean over. Doc, doc. I say which Doc? You know, because I think it's Jason. Yes. So mm-hmm. can, can I, Dr. Jason, can I do it yeah. Doc? Okay. So Dr. Jason, you know, I, I think about as men growing up, you know, how did you, when, when did you first get introduced to consensual behavior? Mm-hmm. Um, probably young. I mean, like, I think I share a narrative with a lot of, like, young black men um, in that I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew something wasn't right. Uh, mm. And so I was like, huh. But as a man or as a boy, as a young boy, I got a whole bunch of uncles. I thought it was appropriate for me to not say anything. It's, this is like, I'm supposed to go through this. So the first time I experienced something like that was probably, like, 11 years old, um, older cousin. And, you know, I was doing things with her in the room. We were at a family reunion. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't say anything because I thought I shouldn't say anything. I don't know who told me I shouldn't say anything, but I felt that way. Um, 
And again, maybe that was from my uncles. Maybe that was from, I was raised by my mom and grandma, but they helped in that uh, nurturing. And so uh, I felt like there was a narrative of like, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go do that. And if you don't, and if you don't like it, something's wrong with you. And so I think for a lot of black boys, mm. if you don't like what's happening to you, something's wrong with you. Mm. That is a narrative that is shared with a lot of uh, my friends, a lot of my homies. I just didn't say nothing. Because then somebody's going to say, well, what's wrong with you? Why, well, what happened? Yeah. Why didn't you like it? Yeah. You are so So great. I just, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, so for me, it was 11. A lot of my friends, it was 10, 9, 10, 11, same age. You know, you get touched a little bit or you're told to do something, to your point earlier, and we just don't say nothing. And we just yeah. turn. So, so, ladies, is this something, is this a narrative that you've heard or are familiar with? Yeah. Before you said that, so I wrote down in my notes, getting rid of boys will be boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and teaching accountability and being a good person. So um, that's where my mind went to. But you bringing up that perspective, I guess that's the whole point of this from a man's perspective. Um, I, I 100% agree. I definitely hear stories about that all the time where a lot of my guy friends very early on were put into these kind of sexual situations that they weren't necessarily necessarily prepared for or dads gloating about, yeah, what I did for my son for his 16th birthday was get him a hooker and lock them in the room together kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? So... Um, I appreciated you bringing up that perspective because I immediately went to, well, what a dude can do differently. Mm-hmm. But um, I often do forget about the challenges on the other side of being a, a man and stuff. So, yeah, I definitely have heard that narrative and I appreciate being reminded of that. Mm-hmm. I would say I, I hear a lot of people talk about or men folk people who identify in that masculine. Mm-hmm. I'm giving mass today, if y'all didn't know. And I'm just No, but I hear, I do hear a lot of uh, masculine people in their first sexual debut and they describe it. And it's like, as they're talking, I'm like, this sounds like sexual assault, actually. Like, it doesn't sound mm-hmm. like a, a, a losing your virginity. It mm-hmm. sounds like you were kind of forced advantage of. into a situation and taken advantage of and expected to be okay with it. So that's mm-hmm. kind of like, sounds like what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It's similar. I mean, do. it's similar. It's like, and when you have an adult conversation with, you know, somebody who identifies as a man, you know, your homie or whatever, then you realize in that conversation, oh, maybe I was assaulted. Mm-hmm. And so you don't realize it until you're an adult mm-hmm. yeah. that maybe, uh, maybe that wasn't right. Um, and so to your point of accountability, I think realizing that you actually um, were a victim of assault first mm-hmm. is helpful. To, to have a man be accountable in their role of in consent. So knowing what it is first, um, knowing what it looks like, and then, then we'll be all right. But yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, one thing that really stood out to me while you were talking is just how similar it sounded to our previous conversation when we were talking about consent with women. It's like, how do we empower boys to feel like they're in control of their bodies? Because that's mm-hmm. important in general. I have two sons, so it's very important to me that they don't feel like I have to do this because mm-hmm. otherwise I'm going to be judged mm-hmm. or, you know, they they should have autonomy over their bodies too. And I even think about, um, what's the movie? Antoine Fisher. 
Mm-hmm. Right? And it's like a situation that happened to him as a child that plagued him throughout his entire life. What happened? I haven't um, So his uh, foster family, like the daughter, I think, in the foster family mm-hmm. was uh, molesting him. And he never talked about it. And, and it came out as an adult. And he's, I think, in the Marines or something. I don't know. So Marines, yeah. Different ways. Anger. Way. Mm-hmm. Anger, mm-hmm. fighting a lot. Just wow. never had any other sexual experience with a woman because he was so turned off to that experience by this person who took advantage of him as a child. So um, I think we have to talk more about the fact that that happens to boys and how it impacts the way that they navigate through the world because it's layers, you know, and it shows up in so many different ways. I agree. Part of this is our societal, um, like, script that mm-hmm. men are Script. okay with any kind of sexual activity, mm-hmm. um, whether it's what actually should be considered sexual assault or sexual harassment, or it is the what you're choosing. Mm-hmm. Like there is no, there is no narrative of men not wanting to have sex yeah. in our society. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I like that you brought that up. All of it across the board is trash. Like. <laughs> My partner and I kind of went through a moment of that at um, a job or whatever, and it was just a bunch of uh, women, like, either trying to grab his ass or make these explicit comments about him and stuff. And for him, it was like, that's just how it goes. But I'm like, let's put me in them shoes. Is that just how it goes? No, I'm causing hell. So... I caused hell. <laughs> it was just like, that's that's not okay. But it opened up my mind to the script. Like, like men should accept that or like that or or, or I don't want know. It. Women should want it. Yeah. yeah. Want and that. there aren't women, there aren't consequences necessarily for women putting off that kind of behavior or attention that might not be wanted or or desired or anything like that, but you got roll with it because you a man. Yeah. She's a she's a chick. But let him treat any of them in that manner, and then, you know, it's write-ups and being fired and all that kind of stuff. So, so the script sucks. The, the script yeah. does suck. And I'm curious. So, Dr. Ashley, I'm going to ask you, is, is raising two boys, mm-hmm. you know, how do you, how do you first protect them, right, mm-hmm. and teach them how to protect themselves? Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the same time, um, the, the social norms that Amira is talking about, how do, how do you build them up so that that even that in that sense like if it's not okay it's not okay and Mm -hmm. for them to be able to speak out about it and not be shepherded by people's other social beliefs Mm. that's a loaded question which we now know that you like to ask people (laughs) (laughs) listen (laughs) not out of the norm we don't want to perfectly on cue um so I think a, a big part for me, um, especially now, because they're four and five, is making sure they understand good touching versus bad touching. Um, if you feel uncomfortable, you should say something about it. You are always able to say no. Like, there's a whole joke, especially with my youngest ace. We call him the shady baby because he could walk in a room and speak to no one. But mm-hmm. that's what he's feeling in the moment. So I don't force him to do that. Or we'll go to my grandma's house and we're like, hey, mamma. And he's like, hey. And she's like, you going to give me kisses? No. And no one forces him to do that. So I think, you know, reinforcing that autonomy for them as they get older, that if, you, if you're not feeling that energy, Love you that. don't want to do that, it's mm-hmm. perfectly okay for you to say no. Mm-hmm. So then as they get older, it's not abnormal. It's very, very normal for them to say, mm, this doesn't feel good. I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Let's stop. So that is one piece for me. The other piece is 
I always want to um, have open conversations with them and know, let them know that they're not being judged. So we had a conversation about prior to you being here about my son and exploring his penis. Okay, cool. That feels good to you. Yes. Okay. Go in your room and do it. So he's not like, Oh my gosh, mom is not allowing me to do something that's pleasurable for me. And I have to hide this from her now. Like I want them to, as they get older, feel comfortable saying, mommy, I have a question about this. And Mm -hmm. it's not uh, a condom. Oh my gosh, you are going to like, you know, it's like a whole, you're going to go have sex right now. Right. (laughs) It's um, creating a, a space where if something did happen, he can tell me. So just like he would tell me that this kid at school took his bike or whatever and he had this situation that he could tell me that so-and-so touched his penis. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about what happened and how it made them feel. And then mommy can stand up for him and, you know, do the piece that he can't. So I think there's layers to that. Mommy can go fight their parents real quick. (laughs) Just me and you. What she said. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say to that point, I was raised by a single mom. She was very open. Like, my mom didn't... yeah, she was very open. Love <laughs> <laughs> uh, And if you met her, I mean, I, I, we act similar, but she's very like very free. Very, she's always been like that. But she was also a victim of assault, mm. and so I feel like from the beginning, she always told us, and literally checked us every day um, after school. Did somebody touch you? Mm. She answered that every day. What does that do for you? Or I, I, I think it made me hypersensitive to it. <laughs> and so I didn't let You're everybody like, touch me. Touch I was like, don't touch me. Don't touch me. For sure I did. For sure I did. But because she felt like she didn't have a voice when she was younger. And so she just wanted to make sure, even though it was a little bit overkill, that we were okay at all times. Um, she also still was free, though. She talked about everything from what it felt like for sex, what it's going to be like when I first have that encounter um, for all of us, my brother and sisters. And so to that point, I think it was very helpful um, for her to be so free. Mm-hmm. We could talk to her about anything, anything. I love that. That's anything. Lovely. That's like a blessing. She was, yeah, she was not tight at all. Not, mm-hmm. not at all. She was like, because tell me. Don't that's talk with your friends on the bus because they don't know. Mm-hmm. Tell me um, and let's talk about it. So. And you know, that's a good point because it's true. Like if our kids are being, they're teaching each other, they're being educated by ignorance. Mm-hmm. Like yes. literally. The mm-hmm. blind leading the blind. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, right. even for your mom to be like, don't ask them fools. Come mm-hmm. and talk to me. Mm-hmm. Like I can give you the real information. That's so important. Mm-hmm. That's so important. Yeah. So y'all all kind of touched on women a woman or a feminine person teaching a man about um, consent and like that vulnerability and intimacy of having that conversation. Do you all feel like your friends who are also male, you can have those conversations or those spaces are made for you? Is it different now that you're an adult? Did you have that space when you were younger? You see what she just said? She just hit you with one of your yeah, questions. Yeah, she just, she just I like she double whammy. Like, I love it. Questions yeah. Your own medicine. So, mm-hmm. so growing up, um, consent coming from my adults was horrible, right? Because it was really sexually exploited in that mm. relationship. So, you know, c- consent was not even a word. It doesn't exist. It, it was be sexually free, which was not okay, right? Um, even okay. even amongst, so I also at one point in time when I was in third grade, the kids in the, in the, in the, in the apartment complex were all high school. So I learned how to masturbate in third grade from the, from the high school kids and the high school girls, right? Which is, again, manipulation. Oh, my God, um, in third grade? So consent, again, still not yeah. given, right? I'm not even learning it. Um, now, that, that, in a sense, 
of being able to explore those conversations or those things later in life, yes. But it, it never really happened with men. But I'm also, so I also come from an abused childhood, right? So on top of that, but it, I don't really start engaging men in probably until college mm-hmm. on any real, on any real level, period. Um, but I've always been able to engage women. So I've always been comfortable talking to women. Like, so, you know, as I begin to learn what I do like and what I don't like, it was women who would be like, yo, Gail, you can say something or you can do this. And so that encouragement ended up coming from them later in life. A couple of the homies that I met in school, um, we would share stories. And I think gradually it became conversations that we could consistently engage about what we do, what we don't do, who we do it with. Um, but it, it took time. And Was it conversations around consent? Yeah. Um, so. Can't tell this story. Uh, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just impressed y'all were having. So, yes, on a, on a, on a kink story, um, a group of us um, was was at a party. Uh, and so. Yeah, so I, I'm trying to tell the story without telling the story because people will mm-hmm. know who they are if they, if they hear this. <laughs> <laughs> you got this. Yeah, so they will be sending this out. Yeah. Send some texts after this and be yeah. like, listen. So, you know, one per, you know, we're all in the house as guys, girls, and, and, and so we're all having these conversations. And this is how keen we are on consent, right? Mm-hmm. So someone says, hey, would you like to? And the next person says yes. And so across the room and the engagement overall becomes a yes, no relationship, right? And so we're always constantly talking about what you can and can't do. Um, so in a, in a, cause most of us are more of in a, a higher freaky or what people would identify freakier spaces. Right. Okay. Um, the, on top of that, we we were kind of also the protector of our girlfriends, like not just our girlfriends that we're dating, but the girls who were in our our sphere of influence. Okay. Um, and so men who we would identify as predators, we dealt with. Um, so it was nothing for one of our girls to call us and be like, yo, so and so approached us and did X, Y, Z. And we would tell them, like, okay, you need to stay away community. from this person. Mm-hmm. You need to t- stay away from that person. So I, it was never a direct, hey, let's talk about consent. Mm-hmm. But it was consistently talking about how we keep each other safe mm-hmm. um, and how we continue to build what you said, our community, right? Yeah. Um, we were giving each other agency before we even knew what agency was. So we didn't have phrases for what we do. It just became who we are. Everything definitely has a name and, like we said earlier, a category and a specification and all yeah. these things. And, yeah, so I feel you on that. But that I, sounds really dope, though, yeah, yeah. like that y'all just naturally proceeded that way. Yeah, it just, it just happened. I, you know, I will say, like, there's some commonalities, right, in all the men in the relationships. Most of us were raised by a single mom. Um, most of us had been in some relative traumatized lifestyle um, or lived in a very violent community. And so I think I think the uniqueness of that we bonded. So maybe we call it a trauma bond. But in that, um, people who come from trauma who know how to survive in it um, are looking for ways to thrive in it. And we tend to you tend to bond with people who can who can elevate you out. And I think that's what we were able to do. Um, and so that 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 explore that exploration when it comes to sexuality came with it as well, right? So one of our one of our friends was gay, not gay. Um, 
but <laughs> the thing, right, Wait, the, they one or the other. Gay or not gay? Let's just say he's heterosexual, but he does gay things. Um, okay. <laughs> Sexuality. So they live in life. Yeah, yeah. True story. <laughs> you know what I mean? But we used to be able to have those conversations, and and we'd always used to tease him. Like as a group, we would tease him. Like, dude, you got. Oh me. no, the group then, roast. Yeah, but <laughs> in real life, like. He, he wasn't gay. It was his sexual experiences and what he desired and what he liked is what is it was his thing, yeah. you know. Um, and so, I, I don't know. It's it's it was a natural course for us. Mm. What about you, Doc? I don't know. It was. I feel like it, it was grounded in like lies. <laughs> Meanwhile, like lies? I'm saying, I'm saying that like in middle school, I'm thinking about middle school experience. So we talking about okay. sex. None of us had sex at uh, at that time. Um, we told each other later in high school that yeah. we didn't, but uh-huh. we lied to each other. Yeah, bro, I was with her. And we're like 11, 12, 13. You didn't, you, I don't know what I'm doing. And you don't either. What were you doing? Um, <laughs> but it was grounded in lines, right? So, we, you know, we lied. And yes, maybe one or two of us were sexually active. And so we talked about that. But it was never like a like an aggression or like a violent aspect of it. When you okay. go to high school, though, when you get to those, you know, different clubs, different, you know, sports and stuff, then you get real more, you know, more conversation. Yeah. And so, yes, you are faced with a homie, potential homie, that maybe he's talking crazy, like, yeah, man, I just went, she acted like she didn't want to do something, but I just did it anyway. I just kind of pushed her. And then in those conversations, yes, we did have those. Mm -hmm. And similar to you, raised by a single mom, so my mom was always like, you take care of a woman. You got to open the door. You know, so Mm -hmm. with my friends, I had a majority um, female friends, and so that was just how I lived. Mm -hmm. I took care of them, naturally. I have female friends now, majority, um, just like navigating academia that's just the way it is for black people usually more black women but um so yeah you just i've protected them my whole life and so that meant for me approaching somebody um along with friends and being like that wasn't cool maybe putting some uh, fisticuffs up you know yeah i don't know it's just whatever you got to do to um stop the behavior we did that um and if it was somebody who continued that behavior we tried to tell someone or um, we just stopped messing with them, really. Yeah. I yeah. love that. I guess that's what I was kind of wondering, because I, I feel like maybe a lot of, um, you know, you think about sexual assault, and mm-hmm. as a lot of people think about it as, like, a women's issue, mm-hmm. and that men aren't really involved in the conversation, or we could get a lot further if men would talk to other men about that when they see something's wrong. So it's, mm-hmm. it's positive to me to hear that you would speak up if some if you were in a locker room talk yeah yeah and or fight them because yeah that's right that's kind of my thing though i'm like you won't fight um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been like that um since i was little but um sure. that's my thing Especially. i try not to go there <laughs> you know but every now and then but you know you have to be intentional about it and sometimes you got to be aggressive with it because yeah. you have to meet masculine energy. Yeah. And y'all you know to, how to talk to each other. You, yeah. I, I mean, you have to like meet that, it. And you'd like be like, that. no, bro, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And you got to be yeah. like, you got to, you know, you got to buck up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And I, mean, I feel like that would, that would go a long way in fighting sexual assault and like anti-consent if more men were like, hey, that's not cool. And it's okay for me. I can stand in my masculine energy right. and tell you that's not cool. That's right. And... And it can be what it is. Because mm-hmm. it happens every day in so many subtle ways or not so subtle ways. And when we witness that or when men witness that, the decision right there on that moment is to either interject, 
interject, check in with that person, or take some action, or don't take any action at all. So I think just getting into that mindset of community and mm-hmm. protecting one another and though like taking action when it comes to I mean when you witness things like that I think just those little steps a day can like begin to shift that culture there because a lot of shit is let is is slid like we let a lot of stuff slide mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying either because we're scared of the conflict we don't want no trouble in our own circles or something like that so I I commend you and your peoples for that and definitely occur, encourage like more men. I don't want to just say men because I'm a gentlewoman, so like I steps in, okay? <laughs> but like just encourage that behavior altogether because that is how you build community. That's how you validate one another's experiences. That is how victims don't feel like they're being shamed um, in these situations. So yeah, I commend that and I agree. Like um, it's the little steps. It's the little yeah. steps. It's the mm-hmm. fisticuffs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it is. I think. I think in many ways, you know. And I've, I've had this conversation, and sometimes I play devil's advocate in my, in my boxes. You seem like that type. I do, right? <laughs> because I, I think oh, sometimes yes. as we're talking about sexual assault, we, we typically are talking about rape, mm-hmm. right? Which is, in my mind, the extreme mm-hmm. of sexual assault, right? Mm-hmm. But and, I woke and, up with someone on top of me. Yeah, they didn't succeed in trying to penetrate me. Yeah. But I wasn't taken serious in that moment. Right. Right. Even though I woke up with them on top of me. So yeah, like the spectrum There's is a yeah. spectrum. There, there yeah. is. And and I and I think sometimes one leads to the next. And so if we don't talk about it in early phases, if it doesn't become like our common conversation, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's no different than trading stocks if you trade stocks in your family, right? Your children or your parents are going to teach you how to do it. Most entrepreneurs come from entrepreneurial families. Most people who end up becoming pastors have a have, you know, there's this thing that we we can within our our families, our community, we connect to. Right already, and I think in, in this relationship, when we're talking about sex and, and consent, it's not. This is not an ongoing conversation, right? And, and when we're talking about sexual assault, we're not talking about the spectrum of sexual assault, mm-hmm. right? And I think maybe that's part of the part of the start and part of the process of doing this, because I would like to believe that there are less rapists in the world, mm-hmm. and there are more me's and Dr. Jasons in the world. Right. Who are consistently engaging, because what I'm hearing right now, just in this, when we, you know, when I, when I growing up or hanging out with some of the folks we hang out with, they say, well, you guys aren't the norm. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we are. Mm-hmm. Right. And the norm isn't talked about enough. Mm-hmm. And since we consistently are talking about the extreme, mm-hmm. it gets more play and it looks more dominant. And, and maybe if we begin to, to emulate right, and teach better. Right. So how do we prep our boys and our young girls? into this world of consent and that make that the carry, mm-hmm. I think it's we, a we lessen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a cultural thing. I think thing. it's a culture thing People too. from the top like clearly don't validate like women's experiences or child birthing people's experiences or whatever. I mean, just for the simple fact of like we, like abortions are illegal uh, no matter the circumstance to include I was raped and I don't want the perpetrator's child. So I think it's a cultural thing. I would love to think of it as a norm, um, but the the head, I don't want to say the head honchos, but the whole umbrella that we're trying to break through for history has invalidated 
these uncomfortable experiences that we need to talk about and and like like validate and and like solve. You know what mm. I'm saying? If that makes sense, like they. Um, I don't know, like from, from start, like why is there a, a father of gynecology? Like, you know what I'm saying? So, so I just, I feel that's a cultural thing. And I agree with you that there are many people like you out there, but that's not what's necessarily being discussed. And I don't know, again, if that's because that's not, it's, it's still like a push against, like that's not the goal necessarily because we still want to control and overpower women or those beneath, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think um, norms are created by society. So if, for someone to say you're not the norm, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're you're not the majority. It just means you're not the norm. Well, in my life, and, I ain't heard about y'all. Right. <laughs> but I think part of it is, is those little steps and like empowering other men to step up and say that, that creates a norm. So right now, I feel like there's a lot of fear of, if I step like up it's not cool. and I say that you shouldn't do that when ev- no one else is saying anything, then I'm the odd You're boy. the odd man out. You're and looked at weird so or something. In my head, the norm is to not say anything. The mm-hmm. norm is to disempower women when it comes to sex. Mm-hmm. That's what masculinity looks like. That's mm-hmm. the norm. But if we empower more people to speak up then the norm looks like you don't disempower women. The norm mm-hmm. looks like you do protect women. So I do. I agree with your statement of there's probably more of you all out there, but they have to speak up and they have to change what the norm is. Change the narrative. You have to be intentional. Yeah. Um, and you have to recognize what that range of sexual assault looks like first. Mm-hmm. Right, because you have to recognize it so people know what they're doing when they do it. Mm-hmm. And so then when that happens, then you can call somebody to accountability, yeah. right? Yeah. And so unless you know, what, what you gonna do? Right. And so to your point, yes, we have to, as those who do, um, identify it, be more intentional about it, mm-hmm. be more public about it. Like, yeah, just be say, loud about be it. loud about it. Yeah. This is what you're not supposed to do in a situation. Even if you're like in a club situation, don't put your hand on somebody's lower back. They don't oh, know you. That. They don't know you, bro. They don't know you. It. And so I, I get it, you know. Because so much. Like, do you it happens a lot. Gross. It happens a Gross. lot. And then what it is is then a man will say, well, then how am I supposed to talk to somebody? Talk you to somebody. To <laughs> you do not have to touch me. Talk to somebody. Your mouth is up here. Listen. Am I supposed to talk to someone? It, it, just talk this to somebody. This is the boys will be boys. So, I mean, to, y'all's point, to y'all's point, to y'all's point. Keep their hands to themselves. Keep your hands to yourself. <laughs> That's why you're talking about, Recognize it. There are, I feel like there are. They That's do right. though. Well, they, so yeah, let, let's be honest you about. Let's be honest yeah. about that. Touch each other. Men, men do touch each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like we will touch each other. So Shoulder. like this right here is a oh, dominant position. To, Sorry, can I touch you? That's fine. You know what I mean? I'm about to say because you showed an ass for consent. We over here Sometimes for for a lot of people, this is a dominant positioning. That's what I was thinking. So men do this to men all the time. You know what this means? I'm better than you. I'm stronger mm-hmm. than you, right? And some men will grab, will touch men here. You know what that means? Is that the lower back? The yep. lower back? Right? Men yes. touch I know they touch the lower backs. Have you ever, you ever had a dude come up beside you and push you out there? Hey, where does he push you? Mm-hmm. He uses your lower back. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So they do do that. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what we're, we're talking about is a behavior oh. across the board. Now, I've had women do it to me. 
mm-hmm. right, as well. Does it mean the same? I don't know, because I didn't stop to ask. But I, but I can traditionally <laughs> tell you if a man does it to me, what position he's trying to take mm-hmm. within a dominant Sweet. role. Yeah, trying to be right? dominant. Yeah. I so, guess I wasn't aware that men touch other men like that. Yeah. Maybe it just means different things. Because mm-hmm. it sounds like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't touge me. Yeah. Just yeah. In general, Some people have boundary me. issues, right? They don't understand yeah. personal space. Mm-hmm. We talked about this a little bit in the last show, like understanding body positioning and knowing how to read body right. language. Um, and, and then, again, touch. Touch is a dominant position. I, I don't like necessarily for people to touch me if I don't know you, right? So, But a lot of that has to do with that. Don't touch me, bro. That's right? One my, that's one of my um, things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but if it's, it, but if again, if you if that's your language and the person that you're talking to, uh-huh. that's that's a conversation you're having, right, right? Right. So if if we if we if we communicate through touch, that's our conversation. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean somebody from the outside world because they see us communicating this way that gets to come up and do it, right? right? Because they haven't gotten right. consent. They they're not part of this that community. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think where we have to get into again the whole conversation about consent is how we do that. But I don't. Men are people. Mm-hmm. I think are people, and men. Yes, they have bad behaviors with touching people. Yeah. Um, sometimes I do think some men doing it are doing it intentionally. Mm-hmm. I do believe that some men don't know any better. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I learned this, so I I, I, I learn I learn body language and engagement through doing loss prevention and interrogating thieves. Right. Wait, um, run that back. Pause. <laughs> okay, what? so you learned about consent with men through loss prevention. Yes. That's if you steal from Target. Yes. Um, <laughs> and interrogation. <laughs> the pat down. Questioning yes, them in the back room in Target. Target. Yes, the pat down. <laughs> right? The pat down. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. absolutely. The pat down. Yeah. So, I mean, you. Which you, can take place anywhere, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So all of these things, like all the rules and lessons. Now, again, I just I get to live in a different space and have different experiences. I definitely would love to hear from other people. But, yeah, I think I think, again, some people have an intent for what they're doing and others don't know any better. And we need to educate. We need to teach. Um, we need to teach our daughters. We need to teach our sons. Um, and, and as adults, as we're learning, right, we're all different age groups. We're all getting to a different age level where. We're still trying to figure things out. Hell yeah. Right? And we're, we're learning the nuances just in this conversation. Yeah. Right? Um, and so maybe we get to walk out of here a little different and thinking, how do we prepare the next generation? How do we prepare our friends and, our, and say, man, I learned this. Did you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just a thought. So I know we got to wrap up because we've been at this for a minute. Um, and it is, okay. we're going to have to do another oh, consent great conversation. conversation, guys. Yeah. So, yes, please, have me. We got two part two. So as we, we walk away, uh, <laughs> we got two part two, right? Um, before we walk away, uh, Jason, any last thoughts? Dr. Jason, any Dr. last thoughts? Dr. Dr. Thank you, guys. Come on. Yes. I worked hard, guys. Yes, um, absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, really, too, I think what I really wanted from the conversation is just to have solutions. And I think we talked about it, right? Um, holding each other accountable, specifically men. Um, educating on what sexual assault looks like and the spectrum of that. And then what can we do to intentional, be intentional, be public about how to stop what's going on, sexual assault, Oof. right? We have to have some solutions, write it down, jot it down, and broadcast it out. Yeah. So that we make each other accountable, build community, and stop it. Mm-hmm. They need to be stopped. So that's ultimately, yes, that's, that's it. Mm. Ladies, any any takeaways? Oh, that was a good closing. I mean, right he's, there. 
He just yeah, and I was like, it's recreate done. The nice norm. Norm. Recreate, recreate the norm. Recreate, reimagine the norm. Reimagine. Mm. Let's go. So here it is, good people. We appreciate you hanging out with us. This is our fourth episode. We got a lot more coming. I hope you love it. We hope you're learning from it. Um, hit the like, subscribe, throw something in the comments, give us some reviews. Let us know um, if anything resonates with you or if there's something you would like us to cover. Um, we'd be happy to sit down and have our common conversation about let's talk about sex um, and your personality. No, not your personality. But uh, I'm done. Y'all good? Got it? Yeah. <laughs> See you in the next episode. Bye, y'all. This program is supported by the Health Equity Innovation Hub at the University of Louisville. The views expressed are not necessarily those of the funder.